1: For everyone listening, because I'm an asshole and I'm going to introduce you, <laughs> is, yeah, Dale texted me, like, whenever you, me, Ted, I, and Dale did that episode last week or two weeks ago, I hadn't talked to Dale since he moved back to Bali, 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 whatever you say it, and uh, he just texted me one day and was just like, hey, we're doing an episode Wednesday. I was like, okay. I just <laughs> texted someone I was having on that Wednesday. I was like, hey, I got to bump you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when Dale comes ringing, you don't ignore the call. But he said he wanted to have you on. And I didn't know you, but, you know, if Dale vouches for anyone, I, I'd blanket have just implicitly trust. It's And who knows, maybe that that will lead to my downfall. But I trust Dale implicitly. So, yeah, he he wanted you on. You came on, and we talked a little bit. But when I have more than one person on, it gets a little crazy. When I have four people on, it definitely gets a little crazy and when two of those four people are Dale Comstock and Joe Teddie, it's just fucking I'm not in the driver's seat and I love it. That's why I love having them on because it's a departure from the normal. That being said, I was like I want to I want to get to know you more, not that it was any sort of like I need to know who you are. I don't give a fuck. I just want to get you I just want to get to know you more, you know. It's I rarely have multiple people on when it's the first time I meet them. So um yeah, from our last episode episode uh did it start? I thought I recording for episode 191. You introduced yourself, Sam Culper, um, Army Intel, I believe, Afghanistan, Iraq, and uh, came back and you started Forward Observer, which, if I'm not too stupid to link it together, reminds me of um, Mike Baker, the CIA guy that's on Joe Rogan, sounds like that kind of thing, but it's now been a minute and 45 seconds, I haven't let you say a fucking word, so how would you introduce yourself, my friend?
0: (laughs) Okay, yeah, great. (laughs) Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. You know, I don't uh, get the opportunity to do a lot of interviews, but I, I really like them. So, I, yeah. thanks for for having me on. I mean, this is as much for me, you know, as it is for you now. So, sure, sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Sam Culper. Uh, I, I was an intelligence analyst um, both in uh, uh, mil- the military and in the army, and as a contractor, and I did military intelligence so um uh, basically everything i did had some level of defense sure was in in the realm of, of defense sure
1: sure and what what yeah i mean i've had on a, lot, a while back nick phelps and dan Libby, both were air force intel i mean it's pretty limited what they can tell me um but what i was more interested in is because how old are you is there any like what 30 I'm, 35 40 mid,
0: mid, mid 30s okay
1: yeah. yeah well I'm i'm 30 right And so to me, I was just interesting because it was like, oh, like you came back and you started a company. And I was just like, more than anything, that's what interests me. It's because, you know, I'm like a broken fucking record. I got into med school out of college, but decided not to go. That was six years ago, seven years ago. And I'm trying to form this into my own revenue stream. So anyone that's kind of just, you know, holding up middle fingers to the normal uh, rat race interests me. But especially because, you know, you're someone that Dale recommended me to. So... But, yeah, can you just go into, like, what Forward Observer is? Like, it just... Because I've looked at it. I've seen, like, the packets and shit. I've seen... Yeah, it 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 seems like it's almost like... um, It's almost like civilian intel, right? It's like... If I could put it into, like, stupid layman's words, it'd be like... Yeah. That's like... It's like your own little... It's like a, it's like a civilian... Yeah, like a civilian intelligence. It, if you wanted to... Am I, am I butchering that? Am I a moron? Is it too early? Am I not awake yet? It's
0: no no yeah that's right we yeah we focus on domestic issues uh yeah so 2016 is when i, I started it. i got a, i left the intelligence community in 2012 okay and uh you know i kind of fumbled around for a bit uh i'd just gotten back a few months prior from uh, afghanistan uh, as a contractor and so i said okay like you know i'm just gonna go i got I burnout i got tired of deploying, deploying mm-hmm. and i got burnout with work and i said all right you know, I want to leave the Intel business. So I moved to Wyoming, became a, a fly fishing guide. And I thought, Hey, I do this for the rest of my life.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, turns out I enjoy fishing more than I enjoy taking other people to fish. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So in 2014, I started, I really started training people, like teaching intelligence for a living mainly in the preparedness community. Um, you know, I, I say the preparedness community, and we're, I'm not talking about doomsday preppers. I'm talking about like physicians, yeah. uh, attorneys, engineers, like yeah. people who, people who are putting the puzzle together on their own, and they're like, "Hey,
1: hey
0: there's some things that concern us about what's going on. It's
1: not all sunny, yeah,
0: uh, that, yeah. That's right, that's right. And so, yes, yeah, I, I started teaching them, and then in 2016, I kept getting questions about, "Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this?" And I said, "Well, look." I mean, I'm an intelligence analyst. Yeah. What if I just take this training and skill set and experience and apply it domestically? And, you know, this was the beginning of 2016. So we're now we're talking about, uh, pol- you know, fairly early in in terms of political violence, the formation of uh, Antifa. You know, yeah, you know, there are the three percenters and then there's the leftist groups, anti fascist groups that started popping up. And I started looking at this, and I'm like, man. It's like the shias and the sunnis here yeah you know oh, yeah. it might be one day yeah and so yeah in 2016 i, I started a, uh, a weekly intelligence report i had one uh, it was actually kind of morphed into two but um one that looked at international issues more in geopolitical military developments like with Ch- russia and china mm-hmm. North korea iran and then um and then a domestic one as well and since then i've really just been focusing on the domestic picture you know what are the indicators of political social and economic instability and where are we going to be six or 12 18 24 months from now what is this country going to look like are we actually going to stumble into domestic conflict okay and that is the brunt of my work today
1: okay so yeah you're you're kind you are kind of you're like a physician of sorts right it's not necessarily that i'm going in and i have a you know a bullet wound through the jugular or something but it's like you go in and it's like all right mr kerrigan like blood pressure's a little high like you got a spot on your skin but like ultimately you're well like you know take a baby aspirin maybe you know lay off the twinkies you fat fuck and uh, go for a walk you glutton but you know we got it right it's not like you know it's not like they look at me and then they go like i need you to sign this piece of paper right now because you're going into surgery right it's because that does happen you're looking at more of like a, you're checking the vitals and it's like where does this where does statistically you know like as a physician where does this statistically show us that you're going right you've got whatever uh, you maybe got a clot in your brain or you maybe you just got you know it might be simple hey like that's going to be a cavity in a month it might be more like that's going to be a pulmonary embolism in a month but am i am i getting that right
0: yeah yeah we we keep the pulse yeah keep kind of keeping the pulse of conflict is kind of the term we've kicked around for a while
1: yeah i got you now because i'm a moron And uh, I never know, like, what questions I'm allowed to ask and stuff. Like, I've had, uh, I tried it for July 16th, the 75th anniversary of the first A-bomb test. I was calling, like, Lawrence Livermore, Oak Ridge, Tennessee. I was trying to get all, Sandia. I was trying to get all these uh, nuclear weapons physicists to come on. And a lot of them said yes. And then I would start sending them lists of questions about stuff that I now know is highly, highly classified. And right. not only could they not talk about that, they couldn't talk about the fact that they couldn't talk about it because that implies its existence. So um, I've slowly learned like who I have on. I called Northrop Grumman, tried to get him to talk to me about the B-21. <laughs> that wasn't good. <laughs> and uh, I, got, I got chewed out. But that being said, I'm, I'm trying to like learn a way to kind of weave around what I can and can't ask about without being too stupid about it. Or just mm-hmm. giving away, I don't know, just your, your business, you know, you don't want to give that away. So what are the, that mean, yeah, yeah. That, that being, yeah, if you don't want to answer a thing, and like I tell everyone, this isn't live. Sometimes people ask for stuff to be spliced out. If you want to spliced out, you tell me. But so what are some of like the indicators you look at? Is that, is that what you can talk about at all?
0: Certainly. Yep. So the first thing that I do is I look at a model, you know, what. we've gathered all this evidence observational evidence and I say, okay, what does this most likely resemble? What kind of conflict are we talking about? Are there historical precedents? Are there uh, doctrines, defense doctrines that describe what's going on? And the answer is yes. And so uh, what I started doing is looking for indicators of low-intensity conflict. Right. So low-intensity conflict exists below the threshold of conventional war. So we're not talking about Bombers and, and tanks in the streets sure, and stuff sure. uh, But it exists above Routine peaceful competition And okay. I, As I tell audiences frequently uh, We're not at war But there's not a sane individual in the United States who can say that this country is currently at peace And this is the grey zone Between cold war And, and hot war yeah. that, that is low intensity conflict So Violence is not the most Predominant Expression of of warfare in low intensity conflict. We're talking about political warfare and economic warfare, information, you know, uh, diplomatic warfare, and so. Uh, I guess the indicators are. I mean, there's are lots of indicators. I think the. I. Um, I'm hesitant to really go kind of like way to waist deep into I get, the debate I you. on I you. on is there a deep state you know i i think the bureaucracy is but i think i would characterize what happened over the past several years as as a soft coup and so that to me is indicative of well there's obviously political warfare yeah and there's a lot of political warfare going on yeah i look at a lot of the um you know people getting fired from their jobs people getting deplatformed kicked off of crowdsourced sourcing websites and that is economic warfare yeah. it's economic dislocation they're trying yeah. people are trying to separate their political or ideological enemies from their sources of income yeah that's their livelihood that's economic warfare that
1: is a thousand percent warfare
0: oh yeah oh it, it is yeah okay. it absolutely is you're yeah. you're trying to limit the ability of your enemy to influence the battle space essentially yeah yeah uh you know lots of information warfare um, diplomatic warfare you know um essentially the same thing that's happening in the united states is happening in europe right now you know essentially between the left and the right nationalism versus globalism and so at any rate i look, I look at all that stuff and i catalog i cataloged it much more deeply and I, I came to the conclusion after looking at these indicators yeah there absolutely is we absolutely are in a low intensity conflict right now so I hope that answers your question a little it, bit. Yeah,
1: yeah, it absolutely does. But yeah, that, that, yeah, the way you said it, I don't know what that wording was that made it click in my mind, but the separation of people that separation of your political opponents from their sorts of revenue, because so it's like right now, what am I doing? Like I can do this podcast, but I still got to go work for six hours a day. Right. It's if I didn't have to, if I didn't have, and that's what I always pitch at people to try to get them to invest. If I didn't have to work, I could be doing more podcasts. So let's look at the inverse. That guy's too influential you know demonetize him. get him booted off patreon fuck his paypal now he's got to go work you know now he can only do two podcasts a week that's a lot better than 14 right and right. it's yeah exactly it's absolutely i mean what i mean what was the berlin airlift in response to blockading you know technically we're not invading you but we're gonna cut you off and you're gonna die from starvation that's right yeah. That, okay so that's i mean that's i didn't break your iphone but i did steal your charger it's like well you know, uh, you know, at what point are we going to say it's semantics and at what point is it war? Right? I'm not touching you yet, Sam. I'm not touching you. I'm putting a bullet into the. Cha- I'm not touching you, Sam. I'm not fucking touching you. Don't you dare touch me because that's assault. All right? I'm just going to rest this right on your forehead. Right? It's. That the, and the creepiest thing is how it's starting and it always starts the exact same. You take down one that everyone. It's very hard to argue against, right? Gotta take down Alex Jones. I think he's funny. I get where he's upsetting people. But free speech isn't there to protect stuff you like. There's obviously, you can't yell fire in a theater, right? There are, you can't call violence on certain individuals. Which Twitter seems to not give a fuck about, but... Okay. You go for one that is gonna cause the least amount of ripples, right? You have people saying, good. You know, he's a psycho. You shouldn't be screaming about interdimensional aliens. Like yeah but I mean I'm an adult I can decide what's real for me and what's not I don't need a nanny but the most important thing is it's not what he's saying it's that there is someone who has not committed a crime and we go you know tape the mask shot tape the mouth over and that is what's important because if you can do that with you know if you can shoot if you can hit if I can throw a 90 yard Hail Mary touchdown then I I know I can throw an 80 yard one You know I can throw a 70-yard one. So once I got that 90-yard, everything else is on the playing field, literally and figuratively. So if you can silence this guy for screaming about aliens and, you know, false shooters and state actors, well, then you can ban this guy who, I don't know, likes to display guns and talk about how important the Second Amendment is. And you can then get the guy below him because he is for Trump and Trump is for putting kids in cages and then you can just very quick, once you throw the 90-yard, you can do everything else. And it's just a matter of boil the frog slowly. And that, to me, is the most insidious, terrifying thing. It's Is that one of your indicators? So not just actual Antifa, BLM, Proud Boys, 3%ers, actual like physical bodies on the street. Is that an indicator? Just censorship. Is that... I mean, does that yeah. indicate a coming
0: wave? Yeah, I mean, I would I would probably classify that as as information warfare. Yeah, not not just trying to directly influence, but when you start removing voices from a national conversation, you're indirectly influencing yes. the the available narratives, yeah.
1: Yes. And it's it's Yeah, what you said about the deep state is like that's a touchy one because if you say deep state, people start to write you off, right? right. But yeah. but that's not a secret at all. That the, the idea that there's an I mean, who is the original deep state whistleblower? It's fucking the sitting president, Eisenhower, right? What did he say? Right. Oh, yeah. warranted yeah, right. and unwarranted uh, influence in our city halls and the councils of government, the technocratic military-industrial complex. I mean, he wrote. He was writing a speech. One of the times he was writing a speech, he was looking at I think a saber. A fighter jet going overhead, and he's like, this is what I want to say. And this is where the whole speech came from of uh, every fighter jet you see robbed a thousand kids of education. Every He's like, what man can keep this up? That was the original deep state whistleblower, a five-star general who led the largest amphibious invasion in the history of man, <laughs> right? right? Sitting yeah, president right. while he did it, <laughs> blowing right. the whistle from the Oval Office. So it's, do I know, do I think it's a bunch of, you know, do I think it's some like Illuminati? No, I don't know. I don't think all that. But the idea that there's not an entrenched power structure that is not elected, there there absolutely is. I don't think that's even up for debate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, I liken it to, um, you know, how you see, um, you know, geese flying information. Or, yeah. um, you know, you see this um, birds, right? These uh, I, what do you call a pack of birds? F- flock. A flock. Yeah. Flock. There you go. Flock of seagulls. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And they're they're flying and they're all sticking together and they're flying in the same direction. Right. there's not one bird there. There's not a council of birds that yes. are saying, Hey, let's fly over here now, right? They're all acting in unison because they all are looking they're looking for food and they're we're yes. all basically trying to get to the same place. Yes. Especially migratory yes. birds. They know where they're going. It's up to them to choose how to get there. Yes. And they just happen to be co travelers. Yes. Right? Yes. And so that's yeah the unelected bureaucracy of people who know what the end goal is and are, they're trying to get there themselves and they just happen to be surrounded by other people who are also working for the same goal i really think that that's more of the deep state not a
1: yeah you know
0: a puppet master yeah very, yeah you know, it's yeah.
1: not a bunch of guys wearing fucking like black velvet hoods doing some eyes wide shut shit right maybe i mean right. that'd be that'd be dark but i don't think that and my friend trey and i talked about this like, i don't think it's no i don't think it's that i think that's i think that's too sexy and it's too easy it isn't the answer is never that easy i think it's probably more you know it'd be like it'd be like there's not a cabal of stockbrokers bro- in some cathedral like penthouse in new york like we're gonna crash the finance. no it's a bunch of guys who and it doesn't make it right who they see the the opportunity to just steal billions but yeah they all happen to be going in the same direction and uh you know we were. It's not like you know, us and the Soviets were going to build an empire. It's like, hey, we both kind of want Hitler dead, so uh, let's do it, right? So in that sense, it's like we were the deep state to Hitler, right? We we conspired, but yeah, it's not some organized, yeah, it's not yeah. But the idea that, that doesn't exist and that doesn't have um, that doesn't have wants and influences and desires. That's absolutely. I mean, what's the first thing Trump did? Well, first he took teeth off Obamacare. But he got rid of the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. That's the first thing he did, right? And so when he's running and you have Democrats and Republicans coming out together against him, I'm like, well, if there are two people that have been fucking us for the last eighty years and they're going against him, well, I mean, I think it's like simple, it's simple algebra that okay, I think that's the guy for me, right? It's Granted, I like Trump. I imagine you do. So I'm going to try to steer away from that a little bit because we're just going to end up jerking each other off and not get anywhere. No, no intellectual discourse. But the general idea that there is there is a power structure. I mean, I always plug it. Raven Rock by Garrett M. Graff goes over all the nuclear bunkers in the United States. Site R to Mount Weather to NORAD to all of them. Camp Catoctin the one on Pean island for jfk there is a relocation arc and they have they quite literally have a b team a c team a d team of go- of governments which they describe as i think it was under truman or Eisenhower, a government on the shelf that we can take that we can dust off and have ready to go in case shit hits the fan it in more mm-hmm. eloquent words so i mean the literal physical in- infrastructure exists for this it is deep underground To me, that just gives more credence to the idea that there absolutely is. There's some, and it's not a sexy Illuminati, but there is, there is a power structure. And that they are going to, they're not going to like it when someone comes in and makes a little bit, you know, makes too much waves. So, do you think that that, to bring that whole rant around, do you think that, do you think to, I want to relate it to Forward Observer and not necessarily to Politics but I kind of can't separate the two. Do you think that that, do you think that Trump is a direct threat to that and that that is perhaps the the cause of the waves we see right now and have seen since 2016? I know that was like a five minute rant and now I'm I can, think, handing it off to you, but.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Trump is a, it's no secret, you know, if you want to become wealthy, you get involved in government. Yeah. Cause there's no amount of money in the world at any corporation that rivals the kind of budgets and the kind of cash. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I think what I think, you know, since Eisenhower, obviously people have flocked to government to get power influence and, and money. Yeah. And I think Trump who says he's going to drain the swamp, if he does or doesn't or if he is or isn't is completely beside the question. His stated goal is to drain the swamp, yeah. to cut people off from the government teat. You yeah. know, Steve Bannon, when he was there, he said, look, we're going to deconstruct the administrative state. Yeah, That's how all those people make their money. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, I think the, you know, the the deep state may be doing this for political and ideological reasons. The the influencers, and the uh the opinion peddlers the political apparatchiks are doing it out of financial interest absolutely i think that's one at least one way to view the the actual threat that that trump does present to these people
1: is yeah is turning off the faucet right it's i mean what isn't the richest zip code in the united states the the lobbying center around dc
0: yeah, I think it's Fairfax County, Virginia or somewhere around there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Holy shit. It's it's
1: yeah, it's I think again, that's what Trey and my buddy talked about, not to go off into the weeds. But we talked about strap your hats on. But we talked about just like we tried to sort of desexify um the explanation for why the US government would uh withhold evidence of uh, of UFOs. And I'm not trying to turn this into a UFO episode. I do enough of those. But really quick, quick summary is if something gets from thousands of light years away and it gets here and it's, you know, the size of a saucer, what does that mean? That means it has a power source, power density that far rivals even thermonuclear weapons or thermonuclear reactors. Okay. if it's here. Well, then you'd have to ask how it got here, that power source. And if we have it, why can't we deconstruct that power source? Well, what would that power source do? It would alleviate us from any needs for fossil fuels. So if you break it down to that chain, that makes a lot of sense because you go, oh, it's not some humanity can't handle it, it'll destabilize religion. No, it's it's the petrodollar. It's the grip of the petrodollar, the existing power structure. It's a lot less sexy of an answer. They're trying to hold it back because they're just like, we can't make money on it. I don't think that's what's going on. I'm not trying to tie this into UFOs. It's But you can take this incredibly sexy, alluring thing, and you can break it down into a pretty like basic, oh, that's just humans being humans. That's what I, I, I tend to lean more towards. I think there probably is a political agenda. I think a lot of people are trying to save their fat paycheck. And we're seeing the effects of, hey, your paycheck's about to go. I think we're seeing a lot of people kind of putting, excuse me, putting their cards on the table with riots, with with all, they all have matching signs. I do graphic design. They all have matching signs, the exact same signs printed on the exact same things popping up at the exact same areas. I don't know. What was that U-Haul truck that got caught the other day? Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, that being said, going from that note to it back around, can you look at those parameters and extrapolate what we're going to see in the next 6 months more so than the average Joe like me can do I can watch the debates I can see Trump with COVID and basically what 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 can you do that and I don't mean that in a challenging way what can you no, do that that, that I'm that's not a great doing question. yeah
0: yeah well what we can do is provide actual evidence for conclusions and provide details. Right? I mean it doesn't take a rocket surgeon to say people are gonna go nuts if President Trump President Trump wins reelection in November. And you know, any any casual observer can say November to January may be one of the most tumultuous periods of US history. Yeah. What we can do is say, okay, here's here's what these groups are actually doing. This is where the actual cause for concern comes from. The um indicators of operational support are off the charts for for these leftist groups yep. armed leftist groups in in the protest disruptive type activism activists so we can you know we can actually go through and say you know are these leftist groups developing combat support you know what we in the army call combat support and combat service support classes the answer is yes mm-hmm. they are developing intelligence they are developing uh, communications they are developing supply they are developing transportation and logistics they are developing medical you know they're developing all of these classes of operational support and so you know then we can go in and actually look at these specific groups okay well great how's this Portland anti-fascist or, or portland anarchist group you know what are they actually doing how are they practicing intelligence how are they practicing you know here are their communication channels okay why did they choose this channel and and now what does that indicate Mm -hmm. and blm groups especially you know blm groups have been talking specifically that you know to to begin preparing for sustained you know you think okay 100 days in portland 100 plus days how many ever it is now 110 20 whatever that's sustained the question is how do you how do you we're talking about mobilizing an army now Mass mobilization protest. How do you field a million people in D.C. and keep them there without developing supply logistics? And you know maybe some of that's going to be organic and off the cuff. And you know you've got a multi-millionaire, billionaire financier that says, "All right, we're just going to go to a distribution center and start piping in food into D.C." So I get the just to reiterate the answer. Uh, the answer's is. Um, The answer to the question what can we provide is is evidence and details Mm -hmm. that people who have a general sense of what's going to happen yeah typically can't
1: yeah yeah so i don't know if this is if this is providing your service for free and if so you don't need to answer what is coming what is and yeah
0: yeah well i think we're gonna um Let's start with my highest confidence answer okay. which is something that the left has been talking about for a long time and that is mass mobilization protests like occupy wall street uh, orders of magnitude above occupy wall street if president trump wins
1: okay
0: and if he wins you know a week or two after the election and they're i mean just they, they're not Okay, the Biden campaign's been lawyering up. They fired at least six hundred attorneys, and maybe maybe way more than that. Now, they've already been deployed to state. The Trump campaign has two, by the way, but they're already writing these lawsuits and these court challenges uh, because they've gone to these states and they can say, "Okay, how are all the ways that that things could go awry in these states?" And so they'll just start drafting up these uh, these lawsuits. For all these contingencies of what could go wrong and the thing is we're in this territory now of it doesn't even have to be a legitimate failure as long as there is a perception of a failure then they can file the lawsuit and if it, if they lose, they lose in court they'll try to win in the streets and this is not me this is what they've been saying essentially Yeah. so the first thing is um, you know, like a lot of people said, okay, legal battles. This election may come down to, it may come down to the Supreme Court. It may come down to state Supreme Courts. Mass mobilization protests is the highest confidence answer I have. Sure. Below that is disruption. I think there's a very good possibility. Probably somewhere on the order 60 to 70 percent. That the left, if President Trump wins, the left will try to uh, severely disrupt the economy. Okay. The far left has been talking about shutting down the ports. They've been talking about a general strike, basically having everyone uh, walk away from their jobs. If President Trump wins, some of the ends are well. We've got to force President Trump out. Right. We bring the country to a halt. And this is what they say. We yeah. bring the country to a halt and, and President Trump will leave office. That's, that's kind of their, their Hail Mary. Can't do it legally. We got to do it in the streets. Yeah. So uh, disruption of, of commercial and, and financial interests, I think, is uh, – uh, there's a decent chance that happens if President Trump is reelected. Behind that, we have armed political violence, the revolutionaries. And this is this is pretty significantly far behind. But the question I've been asking since 2016 is, are we, and when will we get, if we will get there, when will we get to organized political violence? And I'm not talking about 1861. I'm talking like the Irish Troubles. You know, Brian Burroughs has that great book called Days of Rage. Okay. In the first 18 months of 1971 and 1972, there were over 2,500 domestic bombings. most of those didn't kill anybody, but they're all targeted towards government or the military. Uh, And could we get to that point again if President Trump gets reelected? Yeah, maybe. So that's kind of a range of scenarios. You know, there's kind of this CYA thing in intelligence, right? I don't want to tell someone this is the one thing that I think is going to happen. What I'd rather do is give you a range of potential outcomes or potential courses of action and say – this is what I believe is the most likely course of action, you know, down to the to less sure. likely or least likely courses of action. Sure. Um, and then, of course, the most dangerous course of action is that there will be assassinations and sabotage and terrorism if President Trump gets reelected. It's not the most likely, but that's probably the most – I think that is the most dangerous. Sure. Because there are a lot of conservatives out there, a lot of veterans as well, who are not going to allow that to happen. No. With no response.
1: No. It's, it's, that was a beautiful answer, by the way. It's, um, yeah, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like the one friend you have, right? Like a gentle giant who, you know, it takes a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to push him over the edge. And maybe you've only seen him blow his stack once or twice in 20 years, but both times you've seen it, someone gets like knocked out and put in the hospital. And I'm not trying to sound like a oh, Mr. Tough guy because it's not me, right. but I mean, I look at the friends I have, I look at the family members, I look at the the swaths of veteran friends I have, excluding the guys I've had on this podcast who are just, I mean, fucking Dale, Con- I mean, dude, straight up <laughs> fucking tip of the spear killers. Jumping at the
0: bit, yeah.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, he's a goddamn Rottweiler, and right now there's just people are throwing steak, and they're like, none of the dogs are coming yet, and I'm like, because they're very well trained. But God damn it, if you give them a reason to come off the leash, like, God bless, right? right. I'll say your funeral. They're like, what funeral? I'm like, I'll, I'll say it. Don't worry. I'll comfort your mom. Like, it's... But it's... That being said, and not only that, I mean, what? The U.S. has 5% of the world's population, 25% of the civilian-owned guns. It's, it's insane. We have 5% of the world's population. I want to say 48% of the world's civilian-owned ammunition. And mm-hmm. I can tell you right now that half of the country aren't the ones that own those because they've spent the last seven decades screaming against them. So whereas to me, it's, they may be pushing and pushing and pushing, but holy shit, you're about, if you finally get someone to push back I mean, it, it's 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 going to be a massacre, and I, I'm not and I'm not for that. I don't mean to sound like some jerking off, like oh yeah, we're going to smash the left because that doesn't solve anything. Now we just have a d- bunch of dead people. That doesn't solve anything. And like I said in the last episode, we're not in a vacuum. There are external powers that are very just loving the idea of us going at it. But it's
0: right. can can I just sure. interject it's, one thing? Or whatever but, you want, man. So there's a guy. I call him a philosopher. He calls himself a scientist. But he talks about the differences between the left and the right, conservatism versus liberalism. Sure. And this is him, but he says it's the difference between the, the masculine mind and the feminine mind. And I wish I could take credit for this, but someone once told me that the, the left views violence as a dial, right? It could be – there's no on or off switch. It may be at 1, it may be at, at 10, right? But it can be dialed up and it can be dialed down. And the right views violence as a light switch. It's, a, it's either on or it's off,
1: yeah it's
0: and so it's an interesting way to view to view this and yeah the the real problem for the left the left has been arming up, yeah, when we know this um they're they're probably still you know ten to twenty years behind where conservatives are um the problem it another problem is that so many on the left are trying to buy firearms, there's just none to be found, yeah. <laughs> Dude, between COVID and you know, and this mat and this massive rush. Same with a- ammunition. Yeah. But you know, so th- the problem is, you know, once the left are they going to get to a five, a six, a seven? What's gonna What's gonna flip the switch? Yeah, for for the right.
1: Yeah,
0: and there are guys like um, uh, he goes by Asop and Matt Bracken's a seal. Actually, you might have him on this this podcast. Please um, do. Interesting guy, and you know they. And they say, look, what we're going to see is going to be like uh, Rwanda times Yugoslavia. That's the level of violence that they see coming in the United States. I'm probably not there yet. Yeah. You know, that's like an extreme, an extreme scenario. But it is, it's on the sphere somewhere.
1: It is. It's
0: not. It's not outside their own possibility. So, so at any rate, um, I I can't answer that question right now. I I don't know. I don't know what's actually, you know, if, if Scalise... If today, if there was a Steve Scalise shooting today, like that whole thing against the the, Republic, oh, yeah. the GOP oh, congress yeah. members, if that were to happen in 2020 or 2021, I think that would be it. uh Matt Bracken is the one who talked. This the former SEAL. He's the one who talks about a dirty civil war where it's primarily low intensity. You can't stop it. There's no really organized line. It's like a battle royale. Um. So, someone the other day said that this is actually pretty good too is uh the the coming domestic conflict or the, the current domestic conflict is not going to be is not going to be team deathmatch. match it's it's going to be battle royale
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know and uh where there's a bunch of competing teams there's not just mm-hmm. a versus b yeah you know it's like there's so many layers to this conflict class race uh, polit- you know politics ideology rural versus urban you know lots of lots of dynamics at play here They
1: may be right. I tend to think they are. And it's... Yeah, man. It's... What a beautiful... A dial versus a switch. That's what it is. Right? It's, you know, it's... Yeah. It was like when I used to be a bouncer at this mega bar here in Maryland. I mean, there's like a hundred... When I worked as a bouncer in college, there'd be like three or four of us. At this bar I worked at in 2010, 2011, they'd have 150 of us on. It's, it's It's a different beast of a bar point being is like the rule was is like you cannot touch them unless they touch you right and so it would be the entire night it would just be like you kind of be forming a wall and pushing people out and yeah you go for like eight nine hours of people screaming or throwing straws at you and you couldn't do it and finally someone would just you know they would dial it up a little more and some guy would smack someone and then you would just see i mean you'd see an elbow to the eye socket and you would see someone dropped And then their friends would try to jump in and they would get dropped and it was it was the dial versus the light switch and it was like but the thing is is it's because no one's seen the light switch i think a lot of them don't think it's there and it's and i don't like i don't i don't want it to be used again i'm not jerking off to civil war part two like no no who in their right mind is but i also know a lot of men like dale who is just one God knows how many more there are like him that are like dude I'm not gonna fucking see my place get torn up. I'm not. I don't mean my home I mean my literal country get this thing is there's been too much bloodshed for this utopia If I mean it is for everyone that doesn't like it. No, it's not perfect, but god damn it There's a reason why people still immigrate emigrate here from all over the world including one of the guys I worked with at that bar Ivan six four mr Bulgaria moved to America as soon as he could Prince from Kosovo moved to America as soon as he could There's a reason why this place is the way it is. And it is worth defending. And you're gonna have a bunch of these hyper alpha types, these men of action that don't give a fuck, that are not me. I am admittedly a little too optimistic. I'm a little too friendly. I give people too much of a benefit of a doubt. That is my flaw. There are a lot of guys like Dale and Ted Eye that don't have that. And they don't have that at all. And they've lost too many other men overseas in conflicts defending this place from actual armed men that they're not going to sit by and see a bunch of skinny jean wearing man bun fucks who think that they're going to roll over because you know we are the viva la revolution orange man bad and like i get i'm not saying i'm for that but i'm telling you i have no way of stopping those guys like good luck you know it's like hey don't let your rottweiler off the chain if any, it's like what I said when Dale's on here. I'm not. This isn't my podcast when Dale's here. I put the keys in the ignition and I get into the passenger seat, and I tell him, "Hey, I think we got about an hour of fuel." And I buckle up, <laughs> right? I yeah, tell nine one one to stand by. That's what happens. The same thing is going to happen. So it's kind of like people on the left are like, "Don't don't group us in with all like the revolutionaries in the streets." And I'm like, I won't. But you better understand that when people on the far right crack back. I have just as little ability to hold them back as you do. So yeah, I don't I don't see it ending well. But because I'm an optimistic, naive, gullible, doe-eyed bitch, I think I hope that there are one or two outcomes. The worst outcome, but that could still be good, is that it does pop off somewhere. There is a a brief conflict. And that it's enough to sort of scare everyone. Everyone goes, what are we doing? What are we doing? And I know that's optimistic. My second is, what is the silver bullet? How do you evade all of this? How do you move? How do you go four chess moves ahead? I think it's COVID vaccine. Because right now it's very easy to be indifferent. Cheer me out. It's very easy to be indifferent when you're stuck at home and you're getting checks in the mail. But if you can get everyone back to work to some sort of normality after seemingly it being gone forever, I think you're going to have a lot of undecided people all of a sudden be anti-riot. Going, whoa, whoa, whoa we, now it's back, now we're at my office, like, stop stop burning shit. Again, naive. You you gave me the head shake now. What's your two No, oh, I'm
0: sorry, I should be more open-minded. I no, think, you're right, no, I should have heard you out. No, I, no, fuck that, I, dude. I, Do whatever I, you want, man. Uh, Free speech. Well, no, just from an analytical perspective, I, you know, I'm trying to... Uh, I'm trying to approach everything as if I were a complete beginner. You know, yeah. when you you begin a new book, you start a new a new hobby or develop a new skill. You're just like a sponge. Like, all yes. right, let me just absorb everything yes. about this. Uh, so, I'm trying to approach just about everything in life as a as a beginner. But um, and that includes arguments. The there are a few problems that I have with that. Sure, and that is number one. Uh, there's already substantial 30-40% of of the U.S. population who say they're not going to take the vaccine okay Okay. well what happens when Biden gets elected and now a vaccine is mandatory Uh, So, so that's another that's another potential rift for conflict, for low intensity conflict that's number one number two, I have pretty grave concerns about the future of the dollar according to a J.P. Morgan study the lifespan of a world reserve currency or the lifespan of a currency as world reserve is about 100 years for the and for the past 400 plus years world reserve currencies have only lasted for currencies holding world reserve have only held it for between 80 and 110 years roughly well if we start with 19 was it 40 1940 44 whatever Bretton woods was
1: I was thinking of. I thought you were going to say Woodrow Wilson, nineteen nineteen. I was thinking of the banks.
0: No, the the Bretton Woods system basically that's when the that's when the U.S. dollar became began to be the the world reserve currency. Okay. And that was really the beginning of the end for the British pound as world reserve currency. Okay. In the thirty years that followed the end of World War II, as Great Britain was losing their. Uh, their colonies all around the world to revolution and independence movements. The British pound lost fifty percent of its value over the course of thirty years. Okay, that's what happened at the end of their tenure as world reserve. Well, if the average age, the, the average tenure of a world reserve currency is hundred years, and we start with nineteen forty five, roughly say nineteen, Bretton Woods was forty or forty four somewhere in there. Say so seventy five years. Was it wasn't forty? Um, right. So so in the next. 80 to 110 years. Um, basically, yeah, within the next four to 20 years, roughly, we very well could see the end of the U.S. dollar's world reserve currency. And when there's when international demand for the dollar is sapped, then we are going to have massive inflation, massive devaluation of the dollar. That's going to radically change everything. We also get into the work of uh, Sir John Glubb. Um, he's, he's got a little essay called the fate of empires and um his find he was a british intelligence officer in world war one he was knighted he served on gloves so he's not like just some schmuck and he he found that the the lifespan the age of the average empire is only 250 years roughly two generations in the united states here at 244 years you know give or take um to maybe 244 out of 50 so we could be nearing the end of the of the U.S. empire. And um, and again, m- maybe the U.S. dollar losing its global reserve status and the end of the United States empire will coincide. And if that is the case, that doesn't lead me to believe that we're going to have peace domestically. Right. That's not a peace and tranquility type of period of, of history. Okay. And then we have and just lastly, and we also have an industrial revolution going on what is the fourth industrial revolution where automation 20, 20 30 40 maybe up to 50 percent of americans lose their jobs over the coming next several decades due to automation artificial intelligence and machine learning um, that to me is not a peace and tranquil that that doesn't produce peace and tranquility um, e- even if we have universal basic income because that's so at any rate I, I just look at the next 5 10, 20 years and i say eh, it doesn't look great if history is is a is a guide yeah. right that's the outside view yeah combined with the inside view of what's happening now and i don't know man i just i think it's um i think it's virtually unavoidable i don't think there is a, a you know a panacea to yeah. any of this stuff
1: yeah so so when does it pop off November well, I think it,
0: it probably already popped off in 2016. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Kind of seems like the but Yeah, certainly yeah.
0: November to January, I think it's going to be incredibly tumultuous. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. I'm trying. Well, I, you know, I hope they didn't blackpill you because maybe I'm just full of shit and I'm No, no, wrong. no,
1: no. No, no, no. Dude, I, I. Just like I have on my liberal friends on this podcast to challenge my beliefs yeah i like to talk to people like you and dale general spaulding i like to have on people that that don't paint it don't paint the silver lining they don't look at it with rainbows i like that because it, it brings my uh my rainbows down to earth right i like to have on my liberal friends who who have more rainbow in their vision than me and i try to you know it's kind of like the saying, you have to have the dreamers and the realists. The dream, uh, without the dreamers, the realists would never leave the ground, but uh, without the realists, the dreamers would float off into nothingness. And it's a, it's a balance, right? It's almost like a hot air balloon. You don't want to be on the ground, right. but you don't want to be in space. It's a so I'm trying to look at that as have them on. And I try to see like the, the beautiful side of things and like why can't we all just get along? And then I have on you and Dale, who yeah, shovel black pills down my throat and end up my ass with no lube and then i say thank you and i try to find the middle ground and it's <sighs> i think it's i mean it's kind of cliche and cheesy but i think it's prepare for the worst but hope for the best i think it's as elon said on his foot, first rogan episode was um i'd rather be optimistic and wrong than be pessimistic and right because if you're if you're pessimistic and right like why do you even get out of bed what do you get out of ha told you the world sucks. It's like, why are you celebrating that? You know, that's not, not not you, well, Sam. I mean, using you. No, word.
0: but but I'll tell you the reason why is because be real, um, be realist. Every well, because this is an opportunity. Okay. This is an opportunity to to right a lot of wrongs, and look, America. I mean, this continent's not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, maybe we have new a new form of government. Hopefully, we're not trading one tyranny for another. Yeah. But for a lot of us. You know, it's like that cycle. You know, good times create weak men. Yeah, weak yeah, men weak, create, great, you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so we are definitely going into like good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Like we're maybe, there.
1: Maybe we come out better.
0: Well, that right—that's an opportunity, and that's where I—that's when I get out of bed. Okay. to say, hey, look, we. This is an opportunity. Yeah, it's a challenge.
1: Let's fucking grow.
0: But yeah, let's do this the right way yeah. this time around. You know, let's yeah. look. We got 250 years of history yeah. since since the founding documents. You know, roughly, uh, we know where things went wrong. Let's just make it right next time.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. It's like you can be born and be like, man, my dad's a World War One veteran, and I grew up in the Depression, the Dust Bowl, and then World War Two. Like, I look at like my you know my grandparents' generation. Someone like my uncle Rich, who I always bring up on this podcast, right? His uncle i think i can't i always get it butchered died on the western front he was born into the depression granted not in the dustbows in new york 18 years old stormed omaha beach survived and then went and did 50 years in the fbi lived a long beautiful life and was hard as fuck and raised in you know a great family maybe that's it maybe it will be you know because you look at granted there's a lot more than just my idyllic simplifications of, of America but I tend to try to look at it as like you know the golden age of America late 40s, 50s, 60s there's a lot of things that played into it but I don't think it can be excluded that I think a lot of people came back from little hell on earth and building a corporation was a lot easier than, than storming German pillboxes and a general gratification and granted, it was also we were the only world superpower. We commanded the world's resources. Yeah, yeah. It's, not, you know, again, not as simple as I like to make it. Maybe that's what we need. Maybe it's, you know, hey, man, your grandpa Tommy's an asshole. It's like, well, fuck, dude. I mean, he was, you know, he was 11 for 9-11. He you remembers he was 18 during the 08 crisis, right? He remembers Trump. He remembers COVID. He remembers, like, the civil skirmish. Like, yeah, I think he's kind of happy that shit went back to normal in the mid-2020s. And that's why he was such an asshole to us growing up. I see where you're coming from. It's it's not everything sucks and there's nothing we can do, so, you know, put a bolt to your temple. Like, because I don't think anything good comes from that. It's like, I mean, you're just a negative fuck, right? But I see how you're saying it. It's not good. We have a battle, but we can stay here or we can crawl out, right? It's like the mountain can't be... If the mountain is smooth, it can't be climbed, scaled, right? You got to have... Or it's the philosophical... Uh, the, is it Hindu, is it Buddhist the four cycles of like there's infinite cycles in the universe but it's a, each cycle is four stages and I don't remember any of them but I know the last one is Kali Yuga and it's the most oh, insane kidding. but Kali Yuga is what happens right before tranquility it happens right, bo- or with an individual Kali Yuga is when the life gets crazy and then they become the Buddha it's right before the peace but first it has to get insane, you have to stare into the jaws of, uh, who is it, Vishnu I don't know, but yeah I'm going off on a rant now, but it's, it's a, maybe you're right. It's not going to be simple, but let's use this to grow. Well, let's not let it be in vain. Fuck. You're scaring me, Sam.
0: (laughs) I hear that a lot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fair enough. What else? I got you. I got you for 20 more minutes I'm, I'm i'm milking this i'm getting i'm getting the most out of you what else what else is on your mind what's on the plate what's what's can we step away from just the insanity right now what about forward observer where's that go? granted the granted the the union doesn't dissolve where's forward observer going what what are you looking at as a business
0: well we're a subscription business so you know we have subscribers who pay us uh in you know, basically um well, they pay monthly or annually mm-hmm. and we provide them the service. We provide our view. We've actually grown. We've grown quite a bit since we, since I started doing this in 2016 from 2016 to 2020 is a one man show. And yeah. now we have three full-time, yeah, three full-time guys doing this. And, um, you know, we're, we're coming into, I mean, i almost hate to say this, but the worse things get domestically, the better business will get for us
1: that is the yeah that's the moral qualm right defense industry because
0: um people have a lot of uncertainty and what we do is we reduce uncertainty about the future right we start saying hey here are all the things that that could happen here's what we think is probably going to happen we could be wrong we know i don't have a crystal ball i'm not you know i, I wish i were uh i wouldn't be running for observer if i were 100 yeah uh you know but here's some other some other outcomes that you can think about and, and plan for and Um, Well, what I found is people will pay money for expertise. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to add a fourth guy right now, just because again, November to January, uh, I really do expect to be pretty tumultuous. And uh, I'd like another, another set of eyes and another brain sitting in the office.
1: Do you have a physical office? We did, yeah. I was going to say, well, I've, I've had two guys on who are ex-Intel. and I know one of them is, I think, starting his own business. But I don't think he... I have no idea where he lives, and I doubt it's physically near you. So never mind, there goes that idea. But it's... How do you find it compares... Because what you said about fishing, you found out that you like fishing a lot more than you like bringing people out to fish. That was, that was me with graphic design. I fucking love graphic design. Man, I like making my own crazy shit. Like Marilyn Monroe riding a zombie horse naked with jfk firing an uzi and then people are like i want a birthday card for my four-year-old and i'm like and they're like can you change the palette i want a little more of a blue past and i'm like i'm gonna fucking kill myself fuck it i'm starting a podcast <laughs> right it's, right yeah. are you finding that with forward observer or like my podcast is it i'm like oh i can just do what i want and have who i want on. no one told me to have you on no one's sam's not everyone well listening. sam's not paying me sam's not sponsoring me fuck it i want to talk to sam today that's what i'm fucking doing Are you finding that with Forward Observer, that it's, is it more like the podcast or is it more like fishing and graphic design? Are you like, man, I like Intel. I fucking hate showing Intel.
0: Yeah. Uh, No, I, you know, people say they're born to do things and maybe a lot of people fall in this category. I was born to do whatever I wanted. Hell yeah. Like my, my first, I was going to go, uh, a buddy and I, his name was Drew. He, well, he pissed hot at MEPs. Apparently, he did drugs. Yeah. And he, he took a drug test at MEPS. This was as we were in the process of enlisting. And we both wanted to be Ranger medics. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't, you know, at the time, like, you know, who knows, uh, whatever happens, you know, happens. Um, I, you know, I'm probably not tough enough to have been in Ranger regiment. Uh, Me neither, dude. Um, but, um, well, I, you know, may, maybe I was. I don't know. But um, so at any rate, yeah, he, I, where I'm going with this is I, I stumbled into intelligence. I found that, you know, I was really good at it, but I think I probably could have been good at a lot of things, you know, put five, 10 years of, of full-time effort into it. Oh yeah. And like, I read, I read about intelligence for fun. Like I really enjoy learning and I probably could have done that literally in any industry yeah. in any job, Yeah. just about, but you know, I just happened to, I, so I went to MAPS and I was like, well, fuck, I don't want to go to ranger school by myself. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> So, uh, so at any rate, I, you know, they I, you know, I sit down with the guy and he's like, he looks at my ASVAB scores. He's like, all right, uh, you know, pick a job in the army. I'm like, well, what are my options? He's like, it's like, yeah, you know, you scored a 96 on the ASVAB. Just pick any job you want. I was like, well, do you have a list? And he's like, yeah, well, he hands me like 10 pages of, of MOSs and I'm like flipping through it. I'm like, oh, you know, uh, counterintelligence, you know, what is this, uh, you know what is that what is that about he's like oh it's basically james bond and i'm like that sounds cool fucking do it (laughs) and so he's like okay well if you want this you can't ship today you got to go back home you got to come back it's like a week or something later i was like well i'm already here like i'm packed let's just do it (laughs) and so uh so then, like or like i had to come back or something like that i forget exactly so and he was like here we got an intelligence analyst billet and I'm like, what's that? He's like, yeah, it's basically James Bond, too. I'm like, okay, let's go do that. It's not at all like James Bond. right? <laughs> uh, so that's how I stumbled in, into television. So at any rate, um, I get burned out a lot with this job. Yeah. Just because it's just, it's processing every single day. Just like, what are these latest guys talking about? And, you know, the latest indicators and what does this mean? And, and all this stuff. Um, I get burned out. But I'll tell you. What I really, I'm almost to the point now. I'm like, well, okay, we know the next, you know, two to three, five, maybe even ten years is going to be an absolute shit show. Why am I, why am I still trying to decipher all of my details? What I really, you know, what I really love is I love teaching people how to run intelligence networks, and it just so happens uh... that in the preparedness community, the patriot community, whatever, if we're going to get through the other side people you've got to have intel guys yeah. right you have to have people looking for information putting the putting the puzzle pieces together and saying hey this is what we think the picture looks like and then on the operation side you say okay great thanks for thanks for informing me about what the battle space looks like and what the enemy may do in the future here's how we're going to prioritize and execute on the operation side to deal with what intelligence told us So, all these people out buying guns and ammo and getting seven years of food in the basement and all this other stuff. I'm not knocking you. I'm just saying, bro, you got to have information. Yeah. Like you have to maintain it's not even situational awareness. What you really need is situational understanding. Yeah. Situational awareness says, hey, there's this bad thing out there. You should know about it. Situational understanding is there's this bad thing out there. And these are the kinds of problems that he's having. This is what we expect him to do in the future, and here's how you can influence that and eliminate the threat, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it was um, I had on a uh, active colonel Tyler Mortenson. I was getting fucked up. Mortenson, Morten, um, and he wrote a book called "From Kites to Cold War," and it's all about uh, ISR, Airborne ISR. And, uh, but I think one of the quotes is in it is, I don't remember, I think it was from Eisenhower, it might have been from LeMay, but it was after like a certain, um, uh, after like a certain, I guess, reconnaissance run, came back and, like, when looking at it, when looking at the data, said something along the line, because we always talk about like energy density, right? That's why a thermonuclear weapon is so pa- amongst the other obvious things because it's a nuclear bomb but it's the energy density that you have this thing that you can just you can put in a single plane and you can get rid of a city versus you need a thousand planes all with a you know you gotta drop a thousand tons of conventional bombs so it's all about energy density which one blows up bigger with the smallest footprint and he said the most energy dense weapon is a camera he Said the uh, he said that is in terms of lethality he said that is far more Because one pound of camera lens aperture is the equivalent of a a thousand tons of uh high explosives and it's that just makes me think of kind of what you're saying intelligence you can have all these bombs all these bombers all these tanks man if you don't have a god's eye view if you don't know where you're going what you're doing manipulating in real time it doesn't matter right it doesn't matter and so i thought i saw this i might just be my mind making shit up do you have a podcast?
0: I do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm gonna plug that because I've had a lot of people asking me about you, specifically about you.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No. I, the fucking thank them, man. But so yeah, I thought I saw. Is it on YouTube? Because I saw I saw links for it on your website, Ford Observer.
0: Yeah. So the the audio version is a it's semi regular. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's like on all the major podcast sure. platforms. Um I don't publish every episode to the YouTube channel but you know sometimes I think if something really needs to be on YouTube cuz I've been in terms of followers I have a lot more followers on YouTube than I do on on any podcast platform Yeah yeah
1: Yeah, yeah I don't I don't think I have any on po- podcast platforms but yeah I've had more people interested in you than me they're like, oh man, this podcast is cool. I'm like, thanks. They're like, Oh no, no, not you, the guy you had on. I was like, fuck <laughs> But uh <laughs> No man, don't fucking apologize, dude. That just means I gotta work harder. But yeah, I thought you'd like that. They're like, Yeah, that's a cool guy and I was like, Yeah, he's coming back on. I'm like, oh tell me. And I'm like, I did another episode and they're like, I don't care about that one. Tell me when Sam's on. I'm like, Alright, fuck it, all right, fuck me. I'll just go crawl into a hole and die. But uh Yeah, man. Have you thought about doing so have you thought about doing more of that on a more regular basis to sort of Offset balance out the burnout feeling because the burnout feeling sucks. I used to get that all the time with graphic design I would burn the fuck out at my job stalking fucking liquor shelves. I love the people I work with. I, I legitimately do um, But I get burned out just doing the same thing This podcast is my little escape whether it's talking to you whether it's talking to Dale Whether it's talking about the history of pornography, which was a cool episode This is what keeps me balanced and in turn Going to work keeps me balanced from just talking nonstop here. Have you thought about doing more podcasts? Um, If anything, shit, man. People hear you talk. I mean, there's a way to lure people into your business model, right? Because I don't sell anything. Here's my podcast. It's it. It's all out here. You would hear me talk and, you know, X number of dollars, you can get this package, right? Because you have monthly plans and annual plans. Have you thought about not to just tell you what you're doing now, Sam? Sam, this is what you're fucking doing. But have you thought about doing more podcast episodes more frequently... Um, as a way to balance out burnout but also to direct traffic
0: yeah yeah i have um you know for a period i don't know for maybe a couple months i I used to do um like four to five shows a week yeah and they're just 30 minutes you know long enough for me to get on there and really hammer topic and say okay i'll be back later yeah but you know that's you know and then i have like a meeting one day or i gotta go somewhere and so the, the thing gets messed up and um so I ended up scaling back to, like, you know, one or two a week, yeah, basically. Yeah, But you know who I really like? And what you, this kind of reminds me of is uh, John Batchelor. Okay. The John Batchelor show out of WABC in New York. Okay. And he's got a podcast. But those clips, they're, like, five, 15 minutes. And he has some, like, phenomenal guests on there.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's, like, just enough. You get just enough information to, like, get your mind blown. Like, oh, I had no idea. Okay. And um, – you know well they're just there's are segments or whatever yeah and so i really like that and yeah i would love to actually have like a, a daily radio show yeah but you know it's i mean i know you run into this it's tough to do like you don't have a producer you don't have yeah. sound yeah. engineer you don't have any staff like yeah. you're doing everything you know you're you're doing all this stuff yourself and trying to do a show you know and it's it's just it's, tough.
1: it's exhausting it's right which is why I've had people ask. They're like, "Oh, you just go with that sort of raw organic." And I'm like, "Dude, if I had to put a single more minute into this, I wouldn't do it." So I keep it. I stop screen screen recording. I compress it from 4K to 1080. I put it in iMovie, and all of my sound design is I press the little wand. It makes the audio sound better. Export that bitch, and I upload it overnight because it takes like 10 hours to upload. Yeah, you, you can't. You make it too. If you make it too complex, you can't. I found. You can't do it. You burn out, right? It's like keeping a realistic workout schedule or something. But, yeah, on that note, yeah, with clips is, yeah, Lex Friedman does that a lot, the artificial intelligence guy. Uh, He's had on, like, Elon Musk, um, Commander Fravor, the UFO guy. Um, He's been on Joe Rogan. But, yeah, that is – I definitely get that because you don't always have time to – for me, like, if I'm going to listen to a podcast that, like, regularly puts out, like, hour-plus-long episodes – that's probably gonna be the only podcast I listen to. You can't just you can't do multiple of those a day. But clips, yeah. I can't do I don't have the fucking time to do it. But I think that's what I think that's what you're getting at, right? Just do little episodes, short episodes.
0: Yeah, like you know, 10, 10 to thirty minutes, you know, just interview a guest, interview you know, an expert. Um, the really great thing about John Bachelor is he's extremely learned and so like he knows enough about these topics to like ask insightful questions you know and so it's like me if i were questioning a former agency analyst or ops officer or whatever you know like i i could probably ask some pretty insightful questions but you put me in front of a nuclear scientist and i'm like you know what okay how does it how does this thing explode yeah like what makes it so big what makes the boom
1: yeah i mean that's how i feel talking to you man i'm like fuck intelligence i'm it's when i have on guests that write books i'm not kidding you i'll listen to them i guess this is the pre-med side of me i'll listen to the book the audiobook three four five six times in a row to get an idea of like what i'm i'm having on rob manning on thursday the chief engineer of the nasa mars curiosity rover holy rocket science fuck dude <laughs> i'm right listening now. to that and i'm like man i can normally piece together some questions right i feel like i've talked to dale enough that i can kind of pull out an interesting conversation with you i don't know anything about intelligence i'm like i can kind of i can i can stumble through this i don't know how i'm gonna get on that man composites of wheels of reentry delta v i'm like jesus I i think i'm gonna last about five minutes before i default into like how many aliens have you seen on mars sir like when china sends rovers there too are we gonna have battle bots on mars are we gonna have weapons on her so god bless i hope i stick with it but uh (laughs) yeah yeah man man. but um yeah let's wrap this bitch up because i gotta go to work and uh thanks for doing it man i appreciate it thanks for sitting through my stupid questions and uh for everyone that comments i swear too much i swear when i don't know what to say it's a tick all right so all those f-bombs for everyone listening that doesn't like it too bad but um thanks for doing it sam forwardobserver.com Thank you, sir. Yeah,
0: thanks for having me on. I, yeah, I enjoyed this. I, I actually, I like the the long form kind of free flowing. Dude, I like it. Yeah, it's the only it's way good.
1: I can do it, man. I can't. I get, the, I get the, I get the admiration or the, I get the draw of the short clips, but for me, I don't feel that it starts flowing organically. If it's someone that I haven't done an episode with before, like I wouldn't count the one I did with you and Dale because that was Dale and Ted. I were there if I don't have someone on the first time it takes like to me, it takes like 30 to 45 minutes before it starts kind of flowing a little more, you know, because at first it just kind of seems like this is my thing. And this is what I say. And then this is my thing. And this is what I say. And it's, it kind of starts to, yeah, you get that sort of, and the longer you go, they, yeah, they start to get a little, they, they get much more easy, but then, and you will be back on when they come on a second time, a third time. I always sound so fucking gay. I'm always like the first one's like a first date. And then, and it's like, dude, all your guys, all your all your guests are guys, and I'm like, that's just don't look into that. It's it gets easier, you get a little more comfortable, and it's the longer episodes are definitely where you, yeah. And there's different like energies we have on two people. There's like a little more kind of dynamic. Sometimes two people gang up on one person, like last episode we were all shitting on Ted Eye. When there's four people, it gets a little hairy, gets a little crazy. Yeah, there's different energies. There's different, yeah. But you got to do long. I think long form because otherwise you everyone's kind of just shouting out sound bites, right? Here are my facts and figures, and it's like, yeah, he gotta, he gotta ease into it. But on that note, I'll, I'll shut up. <laughs> thanks, Sam. And uh, all
0: right, yeah, thanks, yeah, Tommy.
1: Yeah, I think I think if you, want, I, I meant to mention, fuck, the that the podcast that the guy I had on last week, and then I went on his show, Don the Pleb, Don the Mm-hmm he's the one I he wanted your email he wants you to come on a show
0: okay yes, yeah
1: sir. yeah. I'll send you the episode that he was on mine and then when I was on his I'll send those both to you he's a cool fucking dude he's gonna he's gonna come on and meet Dale but yeah he wants to talk to you so
0: okay cool yeah, yeah, yeah. let's
1: do it and he's much better at interviews than I am so it'll be if you could do this you can definitely do his
0: okay great
1: alright yeah. my man stay safe stay safe everybody stay healthy uh, god bless America and if you're a dirty communist go fuck yourself <laughs> Please Sam. Yeah, see ya. (laughs) Later, buddy.